and welcome to COVID Conversations, an introspective of the impact on nonprofits. In today's episode, we will learn more about Spread the Word Nevada, whose mission is to improve children's literacy. Spread the Word Nevada is currently active in Las Vegas and Reno, Nevada. Today, we will be speaking with Mary Nelson, the organization's assistant director. Let's learn more about how COVID-19 has impacted this organization. Can you please state your name and role within your organization? So my name is Mary Nelson, and I am the Assistant Director of Programs for Spread the Word Nevada. Perfect. How long have you been in the, with your organization, and what motivated you to join the organization? I came to Spread the Word Nevada in 2014, so that is seven years. <laughs> and prior to that, I was a school teacher for many, many years and worked with um as a special educator in the prison system with youth offenders. And so have always valued education and getting out there and and working with kids that uh, were more in need than other kids, say, or more in need than my my own children. So, So then when I came to Las Vegas, I moved from the East Coast and came to Las Vegas in 2013 and did work as a special educator for a program with CCSD and then found Spread the Word Nevada. And so I've been here ever since. Awesome. Thank you so much. Can you please provide a quick overview of your organization, its mission, and its incredible work here in Las Vegas? Well, the organization started in 2001, so we're 20 years old. We celebrated our 20th birthday, and it started out that a couple of uh, teachers in the district, one was a librarian and one was a sixth grade math teacher, um, noticed that kids weren't having access to books. All kids were not being able to access books. And so they wanted to, you know, kind of find a solution to that difficulty because we all know that um, when kids have access to books, obviously they're going to read more. So they started talking to their friends and saying, hey, you got books that your kids aren't reading anymore and would you donate them? So the librarian could put those in her, I don't know if you remember the old scholastic book fairs, but um, she could put those there. So kids coming in with their pennies that couldn't afford to buy a scholastic book, they were able to take a book from the book fair. So everybody would leave with a book. So that was kind of the, the premise of Spread the Word Nevada. And they started with Kids to Kids because it was kids who had giving their books so that Spread the Word could then in turn give those to kids that did not have. Our mission really was to build home libraries, get books into the hands of kids and struggling readers, and just do it one book at a time. So, you know, we're past six million books given since 2001. We, during a normal, if you can call it that, school year, we we give out about 50,000 books a month. We're in 62 Clark County School District schools, and we're up at, actually, we, we moved to Reno also in Washoe, so we have three schools up in Washoe, too, so we're, we're delivering books every month to 65 schools across the state, so pretty powerful stuff. Very powerful. Um, mm-hmm. How do you choose what school is able to acquire those books? Which How do they well, qualify? We, Yeah, we do have qualifying um, standards. So one of them is they have to be 80% more free or reduced lunch. And we have a, when they were doing the star rating, they had to be under the three star. So they had to be either a one or two star school. 
We also look at their literacy rates at third grade, and they have to be less than 60% of their kids reading at grade level. Um, So those are kind of some of the things that we look at when we decide to take on a school. We do have about 100, maybe 110 kids, our schools still on our waiting list. So, you know, obviously with more funders, we can take on more schools, we can, you know, serve more kids. Perfect. Can you um, expand on why it's important for for everybody to know why it is important for these kids with low literacy scores to obtain these books? Research shows, obviously, that the kids that don't have access to books have lower literacy scores and that when kids have access to books and we believe in choice. So we also ask that when these books get to the schools, the the school allows the kids to choose their books. So between having access and choosing the book, they're more likely to be reading. We also work with a lot of second language kids or a lot of um, kids in homes where maybe even the parents don't speak or read in English. And so it's the kids, um, you know, they need to just without access, there's no way to advance. The reason why we don't go to every school is just because the kids in in the schools that don't need us or the kids, and we all know there are some kids ever in every school that would need us. But if the majority of kids in a school, if the families can provide the books, we don't want our resources going to those um, families because they can do it themselves. So, yes, perfect. And I know that there is a correlation with low literacy scores in the third grade and dropout rates. Can you expand on that? That is absolutely true. They, they, they not only talk about how low literacy skills then increase the likelihood of a child not completing high school and dropping out. And a lot of these children may even be not I don't think families would encourage them necessarily, but a lot of these families are struggling financially too. And so they need their children to be working. So they're not as, I mean, when I grew up, education was a big thing, you know, you went to school and you did well and, and there was just no two cents about it because in the long run, that was what was going to take me out of, you know, the um, poverty or whatever that I was in. So I think the other piece of that is after working in prison system, I saw kids who not only dropped out, but then it was kind of like a pipeline to prison too. So they were not good readers or they had learning disabilities or reading disabilities, dropped out of school and then started, you know, earning money, doing things that may be illegal and ended up in, in uh, prison. So I think that there's, statistically and research shows that if you're not reading proficiently by third grade which is when they teach them to read so you're you're actually learning to read until third grade and after third grade you're actually reading to learn so there's a total difference and if you think about four five six seven all the way up through you're not learning to read anymore or you should not be having to learn to read anymore you should be able to be able to read and then especially when you get to high school, middle school, a lot of it is that whole nonfiction kind of thing where you're reading books for information and um, learning. So it's, it's that, that's why that whole um, Read by Grade 3 initiative that they have in the state came about because 
research shows that that's just kind of the cutoff for if you don't know how to read by grade three and you're not doing it proficiently, you're going to continue to get further and further and further behind. And who, what kid wants to be in sixth grade not being able to read, you know, and mm-hmm. peer pressure and peer groups and all those kinds of things. So by the time you get to ninth and tenth and you can't read and you can't keep up, I mean, I probably would say, why bother keeping going to school? <laughs> so Definitely. And a, a lot of people don't know that reading is the foundation and the basis of, basis of learning. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we are not we our brains are not automatically not you know it's just not we're born and we kind of automatically know how to read and every child's brain is different and um trauma there's so many things that can affect them being able to learn to read it's it's a huge huge problem in the united states and and definitely in nevada Thank you. Thank you for explaining so fully. Um, next question. To what extent has COVID-19 impacted your organization services? Well, I would say I was looking at that question and it, there's a couple of different things there that I would say. Okay. We are not doing same as usual operations, obviously. We, in some ways, we have been able to provide more programming. For instance, we have a breakfast and snack time with books program where we we model reading to families and they would come once a month to the schools and listen to a story and everybody gets a book to take home, which was, is always a fun thing and very, you know, has been very successful. Well, no longer could we go into the schools. So we had to change it up and we went virtual, but instead of only being able to do it once a week, we were pre-recording every single week and providing families with four pre-recorded story times so that they could then use those with their children in the home. Teachers were using them in the classroom, you know, through, because when there's distance learning and teachers would use them on the screens with the kids. Um, And of course, all our stories, we always have a extension kind of activity or a literacy component to it that our phenomenal facilitator does. Miss Anna, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) is her, uh, She's got a gift and you she know, does. her she whole back, does. theater background is just like, oh, if I don't know if you've seen any of them, but I could certainly send you a copy of one of them. And she's just incredible. So in that way, instead of just eight story times or breakfast and snack time with books for each school for a school year, they're getting eight times four. So they're getting a heck of a lot more stories. And it's, it's been very, very successful. Some schools have continued to ask for live sessions. So then Miss Anna's on just with that school, but we also send them the pre-recordings every week. Um, so that, that's a program where we've been able to expand and reach more people because, you know, not all families can come to the school before or after school if they're working. And so they've never been able to take advantage of our breakfast and snack time with books. Um, obviously, we couldn't go into the schools to do our books and buddies program, as you well know. Yes. Um, we weren't allowed on campus. We're not sure how that's going to look in the fall because we're not sure we'll be able to be on campus again. For our books on break, we did that program also. We did it virtually. So we did the same kind of thing for boys and girls clubs across uh, Southern Nevada. 
we, Miss Anna got on and did a live session and each of the clubs would have the kids on in a classroom and they'd be watching the screen and interacting with her that way. And then we also sent out weekly recordings to all of our sites, YMCA's and Boys and Girls Clubs and Community Centers last summer. And we're prepping for that right now. So in some ways, we've grown our programs and then in other ways, They've just changed. For instance, our Kids to Kids, where we deliver books every month. We decided we would just deliver them every two months, but each kid would have an opportunity to get two to three books on that delivery. And that way, the, the schools didn't have as many deliveries and people coming, you know, to their campuses when they weren't allowed to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to really... We had to really depend on the schools to get those books into the hands of families. By you know, they'd have families come drive through the parking lot for resources and stuff, and so they'd try to get those books into their homes. The other thing we did that is way more than what we've ever done is during the height of the initial pandemic, that March and April, we formed a coalition with. Public Education Foundation and Communities and Schools. And we started something called the Direct Care for Kids initiative. We had all these books. We knew kids were not, a lot of them didn't even have technology to get on yet. We knew we needed to get these books out. And we worked with those two other organizations and used our warehouse and our books to put together really packed bags and with five books for each child at whatever level they were at with school supplies, with hygiene kits, uh, Sands Cares donated thousands of hygiene kits for kids. And we were able to uh, push out, I think, 30,000 bags we pushed out. And we were able to also help with the middle school and high school. So if the, if the families, what communities and schools ended up calling all their families and saying, hey, we have these this these books and all this um, other things for your child. And if you want them, we can have them dropped off at your doorstep. So that's, it was Direct Care for Kids. And we had two local businesses, which were um, Liberty Lock, and I think it was AT&T. And of course, they didn't have any work. You know, things were yes. all shut down. Mm-hmm. So they donated their drivers and their vans to come each morning and we'd get all these bags and ready with a list of what where the families you know lived what their address was and they'd just drive up take the bag put it on the doorstep ring the doorbell and leave take the bag and so we were able to get a lot of books out that way perfect um, which was and really fun to partner with other organizations that are just as passionate about kids as we are that's amazing amazing work And one of the things we were able to do is we looked at that waiting list of schools Mm -hmm. because we had some of our schools that said, we just can't take the books. There's no way for us to get them out to the families. Please get them to another school in need that can. Mm -hmm. So we were able to go to our waiting list schools and say, hey, we'd like to give you a one-time book uh, delivery for all your kids. And if you can get them out to the kids, that's, you know, that's what we, we asked you to do. So we were able to actually bring some of those schools on. And also, um, if they requested it, we would send them the pre-recordings too, so they could use those. So they now have those waiting list schools now have a taste of who spread the word about it is and what we offer. And so when it comes time to, you know, when we find funders that can bring on new schools, they'll already have been familiar with us and with our the programs. Program. 
Awesome. So has your organization experienced any of the following as a result of the pandemic, budget cuts, permanent layoffs, or furloughs? Well, this was the one that I kind of um, talked to Jody about because it's not my forte. And, you know, that I'm a programs person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like kids and books and schools. But um, I'm not sure we had an, a lot of budget cuts, so to speak, at the organization. We tried to keep everybody on staff. There were people that were, for a period of time, laid off when everything closed down. And there was only like two or three of us coming into the offices every day. Everybody else was working from home, but they were able to bring back almost everybody that wanted to come back. We did have some staff that just said, no, they don't feel comfortable, you know, or they had already one of the, I know one of our warehouse gals had already promised her sister, not knowing that we were going to be able to open and do this direct care for kids. She had promised her sister she would babysit for her all summer. So she didn't, you know, some of our younger um, people, we've been able to keep Miss Anna on um, by doing all these uh, pre-recordings and these live sessions. So our facilitators, we have, there was one facilitator that has been permanently laid off unless things in the fall really pick up. But that's really about it. I mean, we've had, obviously, we've had to tighten our belts. And one of the things that has helped is doing things virtually because then you're not incurring cost of traveling and, um, you know, that kind of thing, too. So. Perfect. That, that's good news to hear, though. That, yeah, and yeah. we have taken advantage, obviously, of what they've offered federally for um, so that we could get people back up. And I do know that um, your program does rely heavily on um, volunteer work. Um, we like to tell our viewers how they can sign up. Yes, I would. And and it was really interesting through this whole direct care for kids. We were totally shut down from volunteers. No volunteers could come in. So it was our staff and then like the communities and school staff. They wanted to keep they weren't going into the schools, so they wanted to keep them on board and doing things. So they'd come and help get these bags and all put together with us. And, and um, so that was kind of fun. But we really, really depend on volunteers, especially to get books ready for kids with that many books going out. And we, we never want to put a book in the hand of a child that is torn and tattered. You know, we want them to be in the most pristine condition, condition. we can get them. So, and if they are torn and tattered, we don't even put them in. Those go to recycle or maybe we, if they're good enough for a teacher's bin, because we have teachers that can come in and take for free any of our materials or teachers resources that we get donated so we are we do depend on our volunteers to get those books cleaned we just don't have enough manpower to do it ourselves and so we did open up again for our volunteers and i can't remember exactly we've been doing it for a while though and at a reduced rate so instead of 60 people in our volunteer room we only have 20 at a time and they're socially distanced and all those kinds of things but that's really been helpful so volunteers are really our life's blood not only getting the books prepared obviously you know with books and buddies when we need mentors to work with struggling readers in the schools those are all that's all volunteer based when we go to breakfast and snack time with books we need volunteers to come and help get out give out the books and the snacks and the juice to all the families as they go through so volunteers really are our life's blood and we would never if we had to hire people and pay them 
we would never be able, we, we would close our doors. There's just, there's just too much that our volunteers do Do. for us Mm -hmm. to keep us going. So uh, we love our volunteers. (laughs) We love our volunteers. They can go to spreadthewordnevada.org. And then there is, you know, kind of a what can you do or how can I help kind of thing. And then they can sign up. At this time, they can sign up for the cleanings that are happening every week. Right now, they're Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and there's a morning session and an afternoon session. And so they can come in and do that. And then we do have some volunteers that come in on a regular basis that like maybe every Friday, they'll come in from one to three. And so we can use actually if, if they're on if they are consistent and dedicated we'll put them in the warehouse with our warehouse crew to do some of those other things that need to be done too so during that direct care for kids it was really interesting because we had some very um dedicated people that came on board that we didn't even know before so we had a gal named sarah and she said i'm raising money i want you to buy diversity books with this money i want these to get into the hands of kids we know that they're not and she raised like ten thousand dollars that's amazing work yeah and so that was just like some single person that said and so i was able to get on and order books brand new books actually that's incredible Um, yeah so we had we had things like that that happened. It was like almost a little bit miraculous in the way it all worked out. Cause you know, I, I was, uh, it was tough to go for a while. <laughs> yes. That, that's, that's good work though. Having loyal yes. people that are trying to help the community. That's, uh-huh. that's impressive. Alrighty. And does your organization operate on a fiscal year or a calendar year? We're a fiscal year. So we go July 1 to June 30th. Perfect. And let's see, as you prepare for your next uh, budget year, uh, what major operational changes are expected now that you're entering into a second year of the pandemic? Well, one of the things I have to say here is that we are heavily dependent on what Clark County School District does or says or allows. So we will continue with our virtual programming, certainly for our breakfast and snack time with books. Um, Hopefully, if it comes, you know, if at some point Clark County says we can go back in, I, you know, my my gut says they're not going to allow 300 people coming into the multipurpose room, you know, for breakfast with books. But, you know, maybe I'm, I'm totally wrong. So we want to we we need to plan. So we need to plan what we're going to do because we can't wait until the week before school starts and they say yes or no or, you know, whatever. So we're planning on doing what we have been doing virtually okay. and keeping that going because it's been successful. We are obviously we are we're at the mercy of Clark County School District as far as books and buddies programs. We have. You know, we, they, we've had to go and get our supplies out of four out of six of our centers because they needed that space. Um, and it's good to just bring it all back in-house and get all that stuff back here so we can kind of go through it and see what we have and what we're going to need if we open again, you know, next year when, when, um, when we can. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. We can still deliver books and, and um, 
we're hoping that they're going to allow some of our if our if our mentors can't go in on a regular basis at first that they'll allow maybe some of our volunteers mentors that love to see the kids go in and help distribute the books that go and it'd be on a smaller scale so so we're toying with a lot of different ideas but we really are at the mercy of our school district definitely <laughs> <laughs> all righty and um we all have our favorites what's a project that you're very passionate about obviously books and buddies books because and it was buddies. kind of kind of my baby um when i first started it was mentors going out to any schools that they won't kind of they wanted to and i was like oh my gosh there's you know and there was only like maybe 60 mentors at that time and i didn't know whether they showed up at the school i didn't know if there was a child there for them to work with i didn't know if the school even knew they were coming you know those kinds of things so so the second year is when we started the pilot program of doing centers and asking two of our schools at that time if they would give us a room and the kids um, we would provide everything else we would put a staff member in there as you've already experienced yes. so that's really been you know one of my um, babies but we are also in talks with and we actually just um, wrote a grant for and we're hoping to get it to we know that the earlier the better and especially because of the pandemic we, we realize and we've known it I guess intellectually, but schools aren't in session. Who is the teaching their kids? It's the it's the families. Mm-hmm. They're the first parents, and so now we're, we we just wrote a grant and we've been planning for almost eighteen months, two years. This uh, zero to five program. Okay. That we can add so that we can get even capture the kids um, earlier and work with families to do lap times and get books every month to these kids at whatever age they are. That's amazing um, work. Yeah. So that's, we're hoping that that grant comes through and we'll be able to do that. I think we'll if do you it think at about some it, point. If you think about it, it sounds like a preventative measure, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we've all, and we think we're, we think we're in a position to be able to do that now with, you know, what we have so far for the elementary, you know, the, the kind of pre-K or K through five. We, we think we're ready to move on board and, you know, do something like readers in training, you know, so perfect. Uh, even at a lower, at a lower uh, age, age group. group. So, yeah, that's incredible. Well, I'm excited to see how that goes and hopefully I'll, I'll help you guys. Yes, my, yeah, exactly. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. And your organization does incredible work. Would you like to share to our listeners how they can learn more about and support your efforts? Well, obviously, um, we need volunteers, so that would be great. Um, and you can find that on our website. Um, obviously, we need donations to continue to get books to conti- that, you know, we can't keep up just by by. Um, people donating 50,000 books a month. It just doesn't happen anymore. So we have to, we, we have some vendors that we go out and buy books at a very, very reduced rate to supplement us. So money, book drives we have, and, and uh, our volunteer manager can work with any group or any private citizen to, you know, create a book drive. She can help them through that whole process. Money, obviously (laughs) money obviously so really those are some key ways that the general public can support our efforts also going out and talking about us so Ashley it's so funny because I'll go into a 
place or a school and I just think everybody knows about us and they'll be like spread the word no matter what's that they I'm don't like, know I can't just, believe you don't know about us it's you know crazy. we seem like we're all over the place yes and even some schools we go into that don't I don't know because I live and breathe it I think everybody knows about it <laughs> yeah but, yes because that's your truth is good. Yeah. spreading the word so this is awesome We appreciate Mary with Spread the Word Nevada for joining us today. As we continue to learn how nonprofits have been impacted, we certainly wish them the best in the future. Thank you for listening to COVID Conversations and introspective of the impact on nonprofits. If you would like to get involved with Spread the Word Nevada, please visit their website at spreadthewordnevada.org. In our next episode, we will hear from Joe's Movement Emporium. It's sure to be another incredible conversation. Again, thank you for listening and until next time.